Hey everybody, thanks for coming to another episode of Adventures in Angular. I am the host, Aaron Frost, with Hero Devs. Today on our panel, we have Jose Eames. Hey everybody. Joe, can you introduce yourself a little bit? I forgot, we're, we're, we get yeah. more than two seconds. I thought I had the two seconds, uh, two seconds is it. That's usually all that I get from you. No. No, I get more. Not That's from the OC, you don't get that from the me. OC. Uh, Joe Eames, CEO of Thinkster here. Uh, we have BF Love, Brian. Hello. Introduce yourself, bro. Yeah, good. Hey, yeah, my name is Brian. Uh, I'm an independent contractor, and I do a lot of Angular consulting. Okay. And, and then, author at Thinkster. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, of course. And I'm working on a course with uh, Joe and Thinkster. And he's a GDE. Yep. And he's a workshop presenter. He does. He's a man of many talents. All right. And as our guest today, we've got... And I'm going to say this, and this is this is definitely how you say this. Jury Strumpfloner. Yeah, that was awesome, actually. I, <laughs> that was really good. Was it? <laughs> yeah, that was really good. Like the closest I've ever heard it from someone from outside my country. Oh! Yeah. I, just, <laughs> I just represented our country well. You're welcome, everybody. I just did it. <laughs> I was going to say S. Trumpflower. But I don't think it's S. That was no. That was would be really wrong. That, that was bad. really good. Yeah. So introduce yourself, man. Let 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 everyone know who you are. I know you've been on the show before, but go ahead and introduce yourself again. Yeah, my name is Yuri. As Aaron said, I'm from northern part of Italy. I'm a software engineer currently, mostly on front end part, focusing on Angular. I'm a GD in web tech, egg head instructor, doing some trainings and workshops also on the side, and I blog and I speak at conferences. Yeah. It's fair to say you're also a pretty nice guy and a pretty great educator, I think, from what I've seen online. So um... Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code DEVCHAT at Sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code DEVCHAT at Sentry.io. Thanks for agreeing to come on the show today. Um, we're going to talk about lazy loading in Angular. That's kind of the topic we agreed that we would talk on. Now, you're you're kind of an expert on this, yeah? Well, I dove a bit deeper into the topic that I said like that. Actually, I was inspired by your library. Like okay. I had it on my to-do list already for a while to dig more into lazy loading, but not just like the lazy loading, which most people use like over the router, uh, mm-hmm. but more like single manual if you want module level loading of components because in the end what you want to like actually to load lazy load is components and not necessarily modules like there's something you have to take yeah that's how angular works at the moment at least and so when i saw your library actually i said like now i have to dig into that like to try it out how it works how details work and yeah and start to play around with it basically so for our so, listeners aaron do you want to talk a little bit about the library that you wrote and what it does of course. So I wrote a library called Lazy AF, 
and um, it's a it's a lazy loading library that lets you lazy load at times besides when the route changes, right? Because I mean, everybody here we go the Angular docs and be like, oh, this is how I lazy load on route change. But exactly. what if I want to load a different service if someone's an admin versus not an admin? Right. Or what if I want to inject, use different injection tokens or load different things lazily, depending on like on a mouse hover, like let's say I have a modal that's got Google maps inside of it. And I don't necessarily want to load the modal doesn't necessarily change the route. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I want to load the Google maps before the modal opens. Cause I don't want the modal to sit there and be like fat, slow load Google maps before you even need it, right? Yeah, I don't want to do it necessarily when the route changes and I don't necessarily want to do it when the app starts. So maybe like uh, when you hover something, it would be a good time to, to to load the maps, right? Or when after after a certain amount of time, I don't know, like there's other reasons besides route changes is all, I say, is all I'm saying. So, yeah. so I wrote this thing, I had a client that needed it and so I was like, hey, I'm going to build this, but you care if I open source it? They're like, no, go ahead and open source it. So cool. I dug in and and to be totally honest, I was about 95% of the way done. And Manfred, who probably helps out almost all of us, Dude, Manfred awesome. kind of threw a couple of gems out online for me. So anyway, so Lazy AF, uh, if I could, I changed the name of Lazy AF. I republished it to Hero Loader because a couple companies were having a hard time stomaching the name Lazy AF, even though obviously AF stands for Aaron Frost and nothing else. So yeah, it's been republished as Hero Loader on NPM. I, I got that republished last night. And so anyway, that's kind of the library that Jerry's talking about. And it's super cool. If you have any questions, tweet me on it. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's actually exactly the use case you mentioned because like I'm also currently working uh, on quite a bigger enterprise app. And there, of course, you, you apply lazy loading via the standard routing approach. Like that's what you always nearly do because it's like for free. But then like we have a lot of, like you, you start from a list, then you navigate to a detail page. And from there, you can then via some tabs integrate in that detail page. You can navigate to another list within there. There's another detail page and so on. Like that can go like recursively as long as the user actually wants. And in that case, you you come to really to a limit because like if you just have you have a product page and an order page, just to make an example, and you 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 dig into the like products list, and then you click the product part, and that's lazy loaded. Like you don't load the orders yet. But what we had, for instance, to do is that inside the detail of that products part, basically at the very bottom of where basically it's different kind of tabs. And when you click on one of those tabs, you see the list of orders where that product is actually included. And so that means, again, I have to include as well the order module also. And in that way, somehow you end up having everything in a single bundle again in the end because it's totally intermingled, if you want. And so if you cannot lazy load on a module level manually, like when the tab gets opened or clicked or whatever, then you end up having really big bundles and like lazy loading just at root level doesn't really help you. Yeah. So I'm going to try and channel my inner Shai Resnick real quick and just start saying a bunch of weird words together. Just kidding. Uh, I'm going I'm <laughs> to try and break this down at a simpler level because he's actually really good at that. Um, so you want to lazy load as much of your app as possible because you don't want the users to have to download your entire app just to use one piece of it. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, a good example, because a lot of people are like, they've never done this. So it might be new to them and maybe a little foreign for whatever reason. An example of a great time to laser load or why you want to laser load. The other day I was, I was on a flight. I was on JetBlue. Or I was, no, I was on United. And it was, uh, oh my gosh, like so painful. I couldn't, like almost no sites were usable. Twitter was somehow usable, but um, most other websites were just completely unusable due to the fact of how much JavaScript they were shipping down in order to just get the page to load. And even though the plane has not the world's slowest internet, it was certainly an unusable connection speed. And so the real goal is to laser load as much of your app as possible. So that's why if you're not into laser loading, this stuff that, that Yuri's been blogging about and teaching people about, super important, right? What do you think, Brian? No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, and some people, maybe they've heard of lazy loading, but I think it's also commonly called like code splitting, right? So we're going to take our code and we're going to ship that in chunks down to our user at the time that it's needed, right? Mm-hmm. And so we put off uh, shipping that code down to the user, uh, not just the network, but you're also think about what happens when you ship all that code to the browser. The browser actually has to do something with it, right? So it's got to take all that JavaScript code and it's got to parse it, read it, and think about it. And when you do that, you're, you're kind of making the user pay this heavy burden up front. And maybe they just want to see one small piece of your application, and they're never going to get to that other piece of your application. So let's split our code into different files and different chunks, and then let's ship that to the user at the time that it's needed. And so it makes a lot of sense. And I remember when I first started learning Angular and this concept, I was just like, this is amazing how easy they made it. Right. All I had to yeah. do is this in my route, I just have to do load children instead of specifying a component. And it's kind of this funky string syntax or whatever. Right. But yeah. it was powerful right out of the box. It was like, oh my gosh, I just get this power for free. Like, this is really, really incredible. But I see what Yuri's saying is like, while that is good, maybe that's not best in all scenarios. Right. And so maybe we want to lazy load code in other particular scenarios outside of a route change. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so you've got kind of this blog post going on, Yuri, where you're like, um, you kind of yes. teach people uh, these discussion points and like these, uh, all the topics you need to know to really have a solid mastery of what is, how to lazy load effectively. So can you kind of walk us through the, the aspects that you're trying to get people to focus on? Yeah, that initial blog post actually started to teach people that we have other possibilities other than that standard route-based lazy loading because that's what, as we said, most people know. Although I'm quite surprised that a lot of them still don't know about it. And this yeah. is something you get for free. Like you just, as Brian mentioned, you add that magic string, which by the way is going to change now on Angular version 8. That's right. Somehow it's kind of a magic part which you enter in there and then the Angular CLI does that code splitting automatically for you. And mm-hmm. I think... That's already really great because like code splitting is something you have to have. It's kind of a prerequisite, right? Because you have to have some builder, some some tool that knows, okay, that part, all of those together grouped files need to get into a different file such that we can then fetch it over the, the network at demand. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm going through that blog post, which is already out there. And so I'm starting obviously with lazy loading routes, how you can configure that, how that actually works and that what work the Angular CLI does behind the, the scenes. And then also I'm going a bit into that manual loading of uh, modules. 
Because what people don't know and what you do, for instance, in your, uh, how is the new name? Hero Loader? Yeah. Hero Loader, yeah. Loader Library. Uh, is that you have to actually, or you can actually also influence what the Angular CLI uh, lazy loads, where it does the code splitting would be the more uh, correct way to say it. And that's that lazy modules property, which you can specify in Angular, Angular JSON, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, I actually dig into that uh, last year sometimes, then came across it again when I inspected how you actually do it in your library. And so I went, I'm, I'm going a bit through that part, like how you can specify that and then how you can actually load and fetch that module manually at runtime. Yeah. So that's also not the easiest thing. Why would you put it in the angular.json file? Like what's the, is there an advantage to doing that? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? No, that's basically the way you have to do it right now if you want to manually tell the Angular CLI, look, like I want this user's module or whatever to be code split out so that it sits in its own JavaScript file in the end when we deploy it. And this is actually what happens automatically if you use the route-based laser loading. Okay. But inside the route, you have another module which you would also like to lazy, mode, lazy load, but it isn't really affected by a route change because you want to load it on a button click or whatever. Then you actually have to use that property right now. So yeah, like um, when you pass that magic string in a route, you're basically, anyone who's ever built their own Webpack build should be able to look at that and go, I know what that's doing. That's, that's, yeah. that's me telling Webpack to lazy load this thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have the hashtag with the module name at the end and you're like, oh, that's, that's Angular doing its magic with the module name. Okay, so mm-hmm. you kind of have to do the exact same, you have to leverage the exact same magic string when you're lazy loading, um, not through the router as well. And so the first half is you have to tell Webpack, hey, I want you to lazy load this module too. So over in the Angular JSON, you can configure, hey, point to all these modules and, 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 and you're calling them lazy modules. You're not telling it when to lazy load them, but you are saying code split them, split them into so, their own things. So that'll you know? tell Webpack to create a chunk for that. Yep, exactly. So that's, yes. yeah, and uh, we're probably confusing a lot of people who are like, I don't know Webpack, so I, I'm just going to trust that that's what I got to do. But to Jerry's earlier point, that little magic string you put in your route configuration to get a lazy loaded route, there's like so much magic going on behind that. Like first, you don't even have to teach the build how to split that out into its own chunk. You don't even have to teach your build how to do chunks. It just right. inherently knows chunks. And because you gave it that magic string, it's like, all right, I'll make it its own chunk. And you don't even have to also say, load it when I say load it. It's just, it just automatically, the route knows when to do that. And then once it loads, you don't even have to say what to do once it's loaded. It's just, it just knows how to do it all for you. Like it's pretty magical. And so there is a lot behind that magic string that goes into the lazy loaded route. It's actually pretty phenomenal that it's just provided for free. Yeah, yeah. And I think especially people which have already at some point manually configured such a thing with Webpack, when it was still necessary to say, like really say, wow, this is so cool. And you get really enthusiastic about this this kind of technology which is going on behind the scenes. But somehow someone entering new in the scene and just using the Angular CLI and not knowing about Webpack is like, what's the point? Like, I mean, (laughs) it works. It's cool. Yeah, 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 you forget about this. Yeah, you do. I mean, if you if if I was brand new to coding and all I knew was the was the lazy loaded stuff provided in the CLI, I don't think I would understand the complexity of solving that problem. 
Cause, no, definitely not. Which is a beautiful thing, though, right? I mean, that's what yeah. makes Angular super cool. I think it's beautiful. I mean, so in that module that we wrote, the hero loader, or lazy as AF, as, as most people know, lazy AF, um, it does two things. The first thing is it loads the code, right? And that's only part of it. It's like, A, make this bundle, and whenever I say, load it, okay? Exactly. But loading it is only half the battle. You then have to tell Angular, talk to that and interact with that code as well. Because out of the box, it just kind of goes, all right, I loaded it, thank you, and like, you're done. Like, it's not, it's not super nice. But if you say to it, hey... Uh, Aaron, when you're, when you're saying these things, like loading it, do you mean, you don't just mean the downloading process, right? Like, I downloaded it, but I actually like loaded it up, I compiled it and put it into Angular. Yeah, that's the second half. So I'm kind of breaking those into two pieces. So it's one thing to say, hey, request that file over the internet and download it. And then the other half of it is tell Angular to consider it and to interact with it. And that's the other part that for me wasn't trivial. That one was a little bit more complex for me. And there's been a lot of conference talks in the last few years, right? People saying, hey, here's how you do dynamic components. Here's how you do dynamic components. And for me, that was a, I wanted to make it so that no one had to fight what I had to fight. So I actually broke those two things out into two separate libraries. One is called the hero loader that will lazy load it and then, and then teach Angular to interact with it. But that piece where you teach Angular to interact with it, that's its own thing. And so... I made it so no one ever has to figure out how to dynamically compile components on the fly either because the library kind of takes care of it for you. So Exactly. Because like loading, you still also need to load the module, right? Because one thing is the module, but that's not that complicated as long as you know that there's something called the ng-module factory loader, something like that. You yeah. just give it a path and it will download it and boot that module. But then as you say, booting dynamic instantiating in a component, that, that's kind of still tricky in Angular. Like mm-hmm. I always have to look it up when, when I have to do it because I don't remember a sequence of like factory providers which you have to kick in, give it the type of the component and so on. Yeah. But that's actually when I started then to think about because at the same time I made a, an Angular Elements course on ACAD. Yeah. And if you start with Angular Elements, like you get a bit back how it was with Angular 1 somehow mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. in Angular 1, dynamically instantiating a component was just pasting in somehow the piece of HTML in your site and it just worked. And you, you get it back again with Angular Elements. Not if you use them like necessarily outside your Angular application, but inside your Angular application, actually. So not compile as separate bundles, but just using them inside. And that's when I started then to experiment and I thought, like, yeah, why not like lazy load the same way you lazy load your components with the hero loader? Like load Angular Elements instead. Yeah. And that, that's where I dig into some experiments with my own library, and which I'm currently working on, which it works right now, but yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, bringing it in your elements takes this to a whole nother, probably yeah. easier level. It probably makes this all a little really bit easier. Interested in how you're doing this. So you're, you're creating an Angular element and then lazy loading that in? Yeah, because um, if you have, um, let's say you have a module and inside that module, you create that Angular element. Like you have to take in that okay. custom element function from the Angular slash elements package. And then you mm-hmm. configure the Angular element inside there, you give it a tag name. And if you have it bundled inside there and you 
then tell the Angular CLI, just as Aaron did in his library, with that lazy module, like compile it into a different chunk. And if you load that chunk, then automatically you have that Angular element registered in your browser. And at this point, you can actually just paste in the HTML part and it, it would work. Yeah, you can just add it to your template from then on and exactly. it's now a native element, so it just works. Exactly. And so it is, it's genius. Yeah, that's yeah cool. and so from there, I basically iterated a bit ahead. Like I took what you have right now, because you have also in the lazy loader, you have that component, right? Which inside that component, you have those lazy parts. Yeah. And so what I saw, what would be really cool is like that you have that, like a diff, you, have, you put a directive on it. And I call it NGX lazy element. And inside that diff, you just place in the tags. And those tags are tags which are actually compiled Angular elements, mm. but which are not yet loaded. Yeah. And in theory, what you can do then is you can extract those tags from that diff part inside. Mm-hmm. You can just hand it over and you would have to need then to load the corresponding lazy module. Mm-hmm. And so from there, I started to construct that basically. Because if you have, for instance, like a hello world tag inside that special diff, which is monitored by that directive, then you can start and say, okay, I have that hello world tag. And now I need to figure out where that hello world tag, which is a custom Angular element, is inside. And then load that, that lazily over the network. Hmm. You know, uh, that'd be interesting to to kind of talk about this. I bet we could get a pull request within like 20, 30 minutes that could do this for us. I actually have it working. Like oh, it, you do? Yeah, yeah, it, it perfectly works. Like right oh. now, it's, it's a bit difficult to explain on a podcast, of course, but like the end result, what I'm having is that I created some kind of, like as you have the Angular routes, like when you configure the lazy loaded routes in Angular, you have that structure like of an, an object basically, um, where you then specify the path and you specify that path to the, lazy, the load children, basically, the load children property. Hmm. And so yeah. what I do is I have the same structure, just that I don't have a path, but I, I use selector instead, which hmm. is basically the selector of the Angular element, which it has to lazy load. And then in the load children, I have to pass to the module where it is compiled inside. Hmm. And so with that, I have a registry which you can place in your application because you're there, obviously, you know, you know that my Hello World will sit in that Hello World module, which is bundled separately, and then which will lay the load then on the fly. Mm, and so cool. at that point, I already had some the registry and the lazy loading part in the Angular JSON. So I got the different kind of bundles and I could also lazy load them in on, on the fly. And so I thought, well, why not pass them to the router? Because mm. interior structure is the same other than that path and selector, which is kind of different. So the router would also take care of automatically splitting the code, which it does already now, right? Mm. Like if you have that load children yeah. and that string inside, it automatically bundles them in different files. And yeah. so just reuse that and register those fake routes, if you want, on the router inside my module. So you don't actually see it. And so I get the, the splitting of the bundles for free. So that you don't have to specify that in Angular JSON. Hmm. Okay. Um, as you're talking, you're explaining some really advanced stuff. And I'm wishing Shy was here because he's... To break sweet. them down. <laughs> well, he's really good yeah. at being like, yeah. stop talking, everyone. My explain, brain hurts. Explain this better. And he's really good at making sure we don't um, leave behind some of the uh, people who are learning. He's, he's really good at that. So... I wish he was here. Um, you talked about a second ago, the ng module factory loader. Yeah. And, uh, I remember the first time I, I learned what that was and I cried 
And then, um, cause I didn't want to know what an energy module factory loader was ever. It sounds it complex. Was, <laughs> it was a life, it was a life goal of mine to never know. And I failed cause I needed to know. So what, what was happening was I had an angular JS app and I wanted to upgrade it to angular and I wanted to go ng upgrade. And so what I needed to do was I needed to get the angular app to be, I wanted the angular JS to still be included in the Angular build. So I didn't want to have two builds, one for the AngularJS piece and one for the Angular piece. So I needed to get them all in the same build. And um, which means I had, and we were using like a custom Webpack loady thing to okay. load our, 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 um, our AngularJS. Anyone who's, who remembers OC lazy load, that was a oh, really yeah. effective way to lazy load code. That was the only way in AngularJS actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I needed to keep doing, I didn't want to rewrite all of our AngularJS to, to do a different type of lazy loading. So I was like, I got to make the new Angular stifle its stomach, its vomit long enough to <laughs> let it lazy load this AngularJS when it needs to, right? And so I had to provide a custom ng module factory loader. <laughs> so what does that, it do then? What does ng module factory loader do? Does it take... A class like uh, an Angular JS component it, or directive, and or, it or largely it? takes a string, which is a lot like the load child string that you see. Okay, and the load children string. It takes it. It largely just does that, and then it goes and fetches it, brings it back, and then compiles it to run effectively in Angular. Right. Got it. So that's a, that's a, that's a, that's kind of the main thing it's doing, and if anyone wants to see. What, a, what an ng module factory loader looks like. ng module factory loader itself is, is an interface. And inside Angular, the implementation of the interface is called system.js module factory loader or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember like exactly. Yeah. So it uses system.js under the hood, which, and you can go and read the code and be like, oh, this is what they're doing. Well, hero loader, no surprise to most people, hero loader looks Surprise! Like it looks a lot like, like the system.js module factory. Yeah, it looks very similar to that to that file. Just does a few different things, and so. Um, so is this a public you, API? This ng module factory loader, or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, this, yeah. Ng module factory loader is it's a thing that that you could inject in your code if you want to, and okay. and you can to load something like you can say ng module factory loader. So it's an injectable to your point, Brian. You could say, you know, private loader, ng module factory loader, and you'll inject to your component or your service the loader, the app's loader. And you can tell it to load things if you wanted to. And so in effect, that's a lot of what these solutions that Yuri and I are talking about do. They so I can yeah, just to kind of at runtime load code as I see fit, right? Is that yeah. kind of what? Yeah, you can Rather imagine than, like if you have that load children magic string for in memory somewhere because you got it passed from somewhere, then uh -huh. you could take that ng module factory loader. I always mess up that name. You can just call that load <laughs> function, and then put in a string. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. put in that string, and then you get an instance of a module uh, handed over, and then you can yeah do whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, that's cool. Because when you have a module. That's not entirely helpful nope. to just get a module. <laughs> like 
you need to know which component in that module you should turn on. Like, exactly. Yeah. Cause it's like, Oh cool. I got a module, a module in, in and of itself is nothing. Like it doesn't have a template. It doesn't act. It doesn't, it shouldn't cause side effects, but it could. But yeah, I mean, a module is effectively an OOP in a lot of scenarios. So you actually have to tell your module, hey, when you turn on, do this thing. And a lot of that is taken care of by the router in Angular. But if you're going to do this stuff manually, you have to go, you have to add one more step where you say, oh, and when you lazy load it, take the bootstrap component and, and turn that on. Or, or the, the, what's that called? The entry components. Turn on the entry components or the bootstrap components. So yeah, like there, there's just one or two extra steps you have to do if you don't have a predetermined configuration like the router does. Yeah, personally, so, I think that the, the really difficult part is after you got the module loaded. Because when I first got in touch with that module loader, I thought like, that's going to be really complicated. Like, but then you work that load method, you pass the string and you get the module reference and well, that's it. But then as you say correctly, like you're just halfway because then what do you do with the module? Like you yeah. have to get those components and instantiate them. Yeah, I mean, modules can be empty or they might have, they might provide 50, they might import or declare 50 directives, right? Or 50 exactly. components yeah. and stuff. And so it's like, okay, <laughs> what do I do with this beast? And that's, that's what a, lazy, a custom lazy loader has to be able to decide. What do I do with this thing? Because a module doesn't inherently do anything until you actually start interacting with this. So, so yeah. Since we're talking about lazy loading, I kind of want to throw a couple gems out there for the listeners who are just beginning. Um, and I have a couple in my head, but I don't want to like still take all the good answers. What do you guys find are the biggest misconceptions people have about lazy loading, like in Angular specifically, just to, just to kind of keep it on point? That's a good question. I think maybe one kind of misconception is, uh, you know, when do I use it? Like, how do I, how do I slice up my application? Mm-hmm. Um, do I use it for all routing? Um, and, then, and then I'll kind of tack onto that. Something that I've seen when I've gone to clients is, what about the default route? Right. So, and what I mean by the default route is let's say I'm going to display like a home page or a dashboard or whatever when the user first logs in or first gets into my application. Do I lazy load that? And if I do, is that a good thing or a bad thing? What's kind of the performance impact on that? I think that's a good thing to talk about, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I'm going to write these down so we don't forget them. Um, so, the first one is when to do it, when. Yeah. To do the, the like default when route? To. Yeah, when should I or should I not lazy load the default route? Hey, are you working on a complex enterprise Angular application? Angular Bootcamp is an intensive three-day workshop class to learn the basics of Angular through sophisticated techniques for real-world applications. They update the class regularly for the most current Angular, and a lot of the curriculum is also relevant to older versions. Or you can go beyond the three-day class with help from Oasis Digital, the team behind Angular Bootcamp. They can assist your team or launch your project, including scalability, data flow, state management, service architecture, full-stack product design, and a ton more. Or you can contact them for a private class at your location or attend public classes in cities around the U.S. and occasionally in Europe. Online live instructor training is also available at angularbootcamp.com. What other what other things like Joe and Yuri? What are you guys seeing misconceptions around lazy loading? 
I think there's uh, some misconceptions about the complexity of it. Either it's too overly complex or overly simplistic. I think there's some misconceptions about the fact that you don't need to think about it or that it's universally a good idea. That's another one. That, you should, that, you, that lazy loading is universally a good idea. And you're, you're challenging that last point you're saying? Well, sure. You wouldn't want to lazy load something, a project with three components in it. Yeah, yeah or like an Electron app potentially, right? Right. right. <laughs> yeah, also, the balance, I think, between... Like, what you have to think about is you should aim for getting your app booted as fast as possible so that the user sees as fast as possible something on a screen. But at the same time, you also have to see that when he then navigates within your app, that he doesn't get delays while he clicks on the menus, for instance. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people also forget about the preloading. Like Angular doesn't only have like lazy loading, but you can also then preload while the app is, doesn't have to do anything. Like it's, while it's going idle, basically, you can preload stuff behind the scenes. So explain and, the preloading. Yeah. Like, let's imagine what happens. Like if you have an entire app with a menu and you just lazy load everything. And so the app gets booted up really fast because probably the initial package, the initial JavaScript file is quite small. And so the user immediately sees something. But then while he clicks on the menu, he might get some delay. Like imagine you're loading a really huge 200 kilobyte file or something uh, into your app. Then he will get kind of a delay when he clicks. And that, that might feel odd at least the first time. And the second time it's already loaded, of course. And so he doesn't experience that again. And what you can do there to prevent that is you can lazy load those routes and that your app gets started fast. But once it is up, you can just start preloading behind the scenes all the other lazy modules. And so at the moment the user clicks then on the route, he doesn't get that delay, but still he has the benefit of having the app being started really fast. And if you go into that preloading route, what, what I also usually suggest people is Angular by default, unfortunately, just has um, a preload all modules. Mm-hmm. So it just takes down everything. And again, you always want to think about, do I really want to have to have my user pay the cost of downloading something which he, he's not going to use in the end? Yeah. And, so and even customize those preloading strategies on your own. So you can, yeah. by some configuration, you can say, like this module preloaded, because I already know that the user is probably going to use that at a later point. So it's not, like, you don't want to preload the admin module if you're not an admin user. So Right. If users only half a percent of the time click on FAQ, mm-hmm. we don't ever want to preload the FAQ, right? Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. So what are some strategies around that other than you know, preloading all? Well, if you so, go really, really crazy like Minko, then you combine yeah, I saw it. That in <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that. You do machine learning. And, uh, yeah, you do machine learning. You I combine know. it with Google yeah. Analytics statistics. Yeah, and that that's kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that was a great talk, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but for us normal people, I usually is like, I mean, you know more or less your app and you know where people tend to go in. And so, yeah. 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 yeah that's funny. Yeah, Minko's they tend so to go smart. from the homepage to a product page and then from a product yeah. page to a shopping cart or whatever that natural progression might be. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but you could just I, use Google Analytics too, right? I mean, you don't have to go as far as Minko did. You could yeah, just definitely. use Google Analytics and you can get, what do they call that? Like the path, basically. They'll kind of show you like 90% of users after this page, go to this page and you could kind of come up with your own strategy, right? And Absolutely. Then maybe tweak that over time or, or, totally. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, totally. So I think one of the, the biggest misconceptions I've seen 
around lazy loading is I've seen people do this weird thing where they put every single component in the app into its own module. And, and I'm like, well. I'm like, you know, while you're at it, just, um, why don't you hit me in the side of the head with a hammer too? Like just, <laughs> just to get it all done at once. Um, but, uh, the misconception there, and I understand the intent, the intent is, Hey, I don't ever want to lazy load this. I don't ever want to load it until I need it. So if I don't need it, then don't load it. So I'll put every component into its own module. So now I've got a bunch of these NG modules everywhere. Brian's smiling because he knows. Yuri's smiling because he knows. But if for anyone who's ever done a Webpack build, and the Angular CLI is a Webpack build currently, we know that the way that it splits out those modules is if only one person wants to lazy load that module, then it goes into its own module, right? Mm-hmm. Its own .js so, file. Yep, it goes into its own .js. But the second that two people want to use that, where does it go? That, that goes now into the commons module, right? And that's yep. called commons Loaded. chunking. Yeah, and when and, does that get loaded? And that gets loaded when the app starts. So, yeah. like, I'll just use a simple example. Like, let's say your app has a button, right? So you have an app dash button and let's say it's a really advanced button, like has like hover effects and disabled states and like cool, like wavy things like the material button, right? Let's just say you have voice recognition. Yeah. It's got voice. Hey button. (laughs) You can say, Hey button. And it like listens, right? (laughs) So if you only use that button in one place, then you can lazy load that button. But the second that two places, depend on that button, that's now going into the main bundle. And there's nothing you can do about that currently. And it's not a limitation of Angular. And I, I wouldn't want to blame Webpack because Webpack is doing so much. It's just, it's just not a feature that's currently supported to where it makes like a factorial calculation of how many different commons chunks it needs to make. So if two people depend on the same module, it goes to the commons chunk. So a lot of people innocently... They're like, let's break everything into its own module. And then 90% of those modules end up in the commas chunk, which gets loaded when the app starts. Which you know, there's a lot of it, right? Which defeated all the extra work and like or, uh, orthodox approach you just took. It, it all got defeated. And so that's the biggest misconception I see around lazy loading. Yeah. It comes from a good spot, but it's also when you walk into a project that's been built like that, you're like, oh, geez. Uh, okay. Yeah. Somebody uh, said this would be a good idea. Someone thought this was a good idea. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so, that's one of those things you don't get until... But if anyone wants to test it, just, just go out to StackBlitz right now, create two lazy loaded modules, and then put a component in, in both of them, and you'll notice the component gets loaded when the app loads, not when either of the lazy loaded module gets loaded. Like, mm-hmm. And it's, it's really simple, pretty simple test to, to, to test out. It is. So can I take this conversation for a little bit different path? So we've been talking about modules a lot. We've got this little thing coming out called Ivy, whenever it comes out. How how is Ivy going to kind of impact this? Is it or is it not? It's just going to fix everything. Everything magically just works exactly the way you want it. Smaller bundles. Haven't you you heard? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
your four meg angular file is now going to be uh 2k and, and it's it going to be loaded before people go to your site and it automatically has minko's guest js uh yep. machine learning stuff built in yep and uh it all has now voice recognition is included in all your apps <laughs> that's a must have <laughs> This is all billable time, right? And just be like, yeah. yep, that took me like yeah. a week, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it fixes everything. <laughs> Seriously, though, it makes, in my opinion, it makes lazy loading easier. Okay. Because it's going to expose... The way that components get turned on, these, these module factories kind of go away with, uh, with Ivy. And I don't really understand 100% of where they're going. Like, mm -hmm. they, did they just disappear? Like, they served a purpose. That purpose still must be taking, like, happening. But the module factories themselves go away from what I understand. And so all that, like, Yuri and I were talking about, once you download the file, you still have to parse it and make Angular know how to talk to it, right? That second half of you have to make Angular know how to talk to it, gets significantly easier and you don't actually have to really teach Angular how to talk to it. It should already kind of know. Yeah, that should get easier. Like I didn't dig into it myself yet as well. But as far as I know, yeah, you get some more functions. Like it's, it's more broken down into functions and you can just import those functions for instantiating with stuff. Like Rob yeah. talked about it at the ng-conf talk. Yeah. He gave. So he went a bit into those details and uh, he, he told that in combination with Angular Elements, but it's not necessarily like restricted to Angular elements. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I have to dive into that as well. So, so I, I think, Brian, let me, let me tell you the, the most visible way it will change, if I could, okay. just, just because it's like, hey, behind the scenes, who cares? How do I know how to interact with it? How am I going to know if I'm seeing Ivy's loading? So okay. here's how you'll know that you're seeing a symptom of Ivy's loading, okay? Currently, in Angular, we don't, use the import function, right? We use ES6 imports and we like, right. we, did, we say import something from somewhere, right? But the import is a keyword, it's not an actual function. Well, in Ivy, we'll be able to use the import function and mm -hmm. pass it the same kind of magic string that we pass, well, a similar magic string to what we're passing to the load children, right? And then, so if you, if you ever see someone call import as a function and pass it a string to like, that's a path to a thing you want to mm -hmm. load, that is a symptom of that's using an IV-based loading system versus a pre-IV-based loading system. So you'll start to see things like that. And, and, and that, that's like the biggest change you'll see is the import function. And that's not going to be available until Ivy. I thought I saw something at ng-conf where they were talking about doing that inside of a function, replacing like the load children or updating it. Or was that Ivy? Maybe I got it confused. In Ivy for sure, because if you upgraded the code transforms, the schematics automatically transfer your magic strings into those import functions. But okay. yeah, I've also heard something that they are backporting it, but I wouldn't be 100% sure. Like I've heard, yeah. I've heard something about okay. that. But I wasn't so okay. I'll, just, I'll just throw this out there today, Brian. If you're just in a file today, let's say, let's say Brian F. Love wants to load some random JavaScript file. Okay? My full name. You, like you and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, let's say you want to load some random, I don't know, not random, it's not random, but you want to load a file that's not Angular necessarily. Maybe it's like a okay. Google Maps API or, you know, it could be an Angular Elements file. Like, I don't know. Today, you, because we're in Webpack, Webpack has that import function. So you can just call that today. You oh, don't cool. have to wait. It's going to work differently than you think. So you can't really import anything that's Angular based that way, but you could import non-Angular things that way. Maybe um, you like functions or I have some validators or something I want to like lazy yeah. load. Or like sure. Lodash is a global, right? So you could, yep. you, could, you could import Lodash lazily. And since it's a global, you could just kind of start using Lodash from then on out. So like there's some things you could do with it today. So, and that's not new in Ivy. That's, you, that's, that goes back to Angular too. Like you could do that in Angular too. But going forward in Ivy, you're just going to see a lot more of it. You know, we all saw that ng-conf talk where they're like, hey, your load children, instead of being a magic string, it's going to be, we're going to replace it with a function that calls the import thing for you. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's an Ivy. Yes, that's, that's definitely yes. an Ivy, yes. Yep, that's cool. Yeah, so anyway, that's kind of the symptom you'll know that you're seeing Ivy, Ivy loaders versus pre-Ivy loaders. Very cool. And the, the module that I built, Hero Loader, it will still be extremely useful post-Ivy. It's just, it's going to be doing a lot less than it currently does. You know what I'm saying? Like when you install Hero Loader 9.0 or whatever Ivy is called, I'll probably match the same thing. It will be doing much less code than it does pre-Ivy. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so yeah, that's kind of a, hopefully I answered your question, Brian. Yeah, no, that's cool. So, Brian, we, you asked a question that I think when, about misconception is, should I load the default route? We didn't talk yeah. about that. We skipped it. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, I've talked a lot. I'm going to let you guys a pin. I usually don't laser load that one because it's somehow, that's the first one the user anyway wants to see. It, it, it depends, of course, a bit of your type of application, but usually I try to include it by default. So it's just there when the app loads up and then the other stuff behind the scenes can be loaded, preloaded uh, behind the scenes. So that's my usual approach. Yeah, I think I usually do the same thing. And I've kind of pushed some of my clients to do that because if you go in and you look at like the network tab in uh, you know, in the console, you'll actually see that waterfall, right? And you'll see main come in then you'll see common JS. And then it'll actually, you'll see a gap where JavaScript is and it's kind of bootstrapping your application, right? And then all of a sudden Angular goes, Oh wait! I need this other this other route. This is the default route. So now let me go ahead and make another network request. You know, fetch that JavaScript down, compile it, run it, and so you've pushed your initial like time to interactivity off because of yeah. doing that. Whereas yeah. if you don't lazy load it, now sure it's going to make that main.js file larger or that initial bundle you know payload larger. You don't get this gap between the two, and you don't get a an additional network request. So in theory the way I understand it anyways, is that it kind of minimizes that, that TTI time to yeah. activity. Yeah. So yeah. here's a time when I haven't done what you guys are saying and I did lazy load the default route. Okay. I, I think that it's good to point that out too, right? I think most people are going to opt where you guys are saying. I worked on several apps that are server-side rendered. And so that means they're heavily crawled and indexed by Google, which means they show up in search results, which means most of the page loads are not the default route. Most of the page loads are nested links 
to mm-hmm. nested routes. And in those scenarios, I definitely do not bring in the default route. I definitely lazy load the default route because people don't care about the homepage on like an e-com site, especially no, if, you're, if, if yeah. you're clicking on a link that came from Google, right? Like, yeah. So I think, I think it depends. I mean, I just would say analyze your app, analyze your users. Are you behind a login? If you're behind a login, it doesn't matter as much if you're not behind a login or if you are behind a login, but you have a ton of mobile users, well then yeah, consider it. I don't know, like it's, 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 it's up to you. So, I mean, just know your app and, and make the decisions accordingly. Yeah, and like you mentioned Electron earlier, if you're doing Ionic or, or Native Script or whatever, or Electron, uh, that could also impact this decision, I think. Yeah, don't lazy load anything in those scenarios, right? You don't really need to. Uh, though yeah. I have seen, I thought that, um, I thought I saw an article on the Ionic blog about that. I'd have to go back and check what yeah. they said. But yeah, you're lazy loading from the file system at that point, though. Correct. Which is a much less costly, but it, it yeah. would still be beneficial to that to not load everything. So actually, you still would want to lazy load in the Ionic stuff, but potentially not the Electron, right? right. Electron, you're on a desktop. You should have faster internet. Like, but you, you probably old. want to package everything. Yeah, but if you do an Ionic and you're supporting, you know, maybe phones that have you know, slow CPUs, perhaps, I don't know, you know, shipping everything at once, it's got to kind of compile all that. Actually, actually right. even with Electron, you might, because it's just going to load off the local file system too. Yeah. So with Electron, yeah. actually, you're probably going to want to use lazy loading still as well. So it's going to lower your time to first interaction, which is your point, you know? So anyway, uh, I take back my don't do it. You always should do it. You should do it as much as possible. I, I think in you know, most scenarios, unless you know your scenario and you're like, it's actually bad, then, then don't do it. So yep. like an offline load, an offline mode PWA, <laughs> I think you kind of have to load it, right? I think so. Yeah. It, I mean, am I wrong? Whatever features are going to be offline. I mean, you've got to have that cache in the service worker, right? So yeah. Yeah. Right. Hmm. It's interesting. All right. Well, um, I think that we've covered a lot of stuff. Um, and we talked about Yuri's experiment. We didn't talk about NGX loadable. Do you want to, do you want to mention NGX loadable, Yuri, before we end? Well, I actually didn't dig too much into it. That was more like an option which you have right now. Like you have your hero loader, you have NGX loadable, which is kind of similar. Okay. And then, yeah, hopefully next week I will publish a blog post, a detailed one about how I approach this one. Okay. okay, cool. All right. Well, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we kind of kick it over to the picks? No, we, I think we covered quite a lot of stuff. Okay. Cool. Don't want to overload people. So, yeah. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take-home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs. And this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash angular. 
That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. I'm going to go first on picks because Joe will take my pick if we don't. So <laughs> I'm going to go to picks first. So I'm, I'm dumb. You know, like the guy, the people at Marvel, they know me. They, they, they could put out 22 more movies and I'll go watch all 22. I'm just dumb. I'm super predictable, okay? So on that vein, uh, John Wick 3 is my pick. There's just, there's like 751 movies worth of killing in one movie. Like it's, <laughs> it's an outrageous amount of death. And I mean, I'm not saying I, I love death. Game of Thrones? I mean, <laughs> what's that? More than Game of Thrones? I mean, I don't watch The Got, but. Um, oh, you don't? Oh, yeah. But yeah, Remember so. at, the, at, at the end of uh, Infinity War when there's a thing that happens and there's a fair amount of death, right? Yep. But you don't see it. All the death is kind of off. Well, you see a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. most of the death is off screen. In John Wick 3, it's exactly the same quantity of death, but you actually see every it's all headshots. Every all, yeah, every killing. The same <laughs> the amount as at the end of Infinity War. Same yeah. number of deaths, except you get to see each one. That's John Wick 3. Yeah, I think the director felt dared by... <laughs> By Infinity War, the yeah. director of John Wick felt like that was a dare. Like so I could do better dare. than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I anyway. could play all those on screen. Watch yeah. me do <laughs> And Halle Berry's role was entertaining and her her pets. Anyway, it was it was a good movie. Also watched a movie called uh Long Shot and Seth Rogen just has like a direct line to make me laugh. And I laughed pretty much nonstop the entire movie started to finish. So long shot and John Wick three great movies that are out. Uh, I did see Pikachu detective Pikachu, which I won't be recommending. So that's also an unpick. I'm unpicking that one. So yeah. Anyway, there you go. I'm, that's my picks. Nice. Brian, just so that Joe doesn't take your picks. You want to go next? Yeah. Yeah. So I have uh, two picks. First is, I don't, do you have you guys, uh, you guys have scooters in Salt Lake City, right? And I don't know about in yep. Italy. Or, you mean the electric scooters, right? Yeah, Joe? the electric scooters that you can rent yeah. and go around, whether it's like yeah. a lime or whatever, bird. Yeah, yeah. So you may not know this, but I, I love scooting so much that I actually bought one, right? Hello. So I, I own a Ninebot uh, Segway scooter, and my wife thinks I'm like a child. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of my pick. So I literally, like, in the evening, I'm just like, honey, I'm going for a scoot. She's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, but if you love scooting as and much as I... You say that. You're going yeah. for a scoot. I'm going for a scoot. That's what I say. Yeah, scoot. I'm a scooter. You I'm say that. For, I'm going for a scoot. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, so my pick is, I'm trying to maybe buy this. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. But... So Ninebot, I think Ninebot actually bought Segway, or I'm not sure what the business relationship is there, but they came out with a new scooter called uh, the Scooter Ma- or the Kick Scooter Max, and it's got like double the battery. It goes up to 20 miles an hour, and they've got an Indiegogo, and you can get it today. Well, I don't know if it ships today, but it's like $200 off. So, so anybody listening out there, if what's you're the like, total price though, bro? What's the total price? I mean. <laughs> It's a lot of money when you can rent it for a dollar, right? For or in fifteen cents a minute. Just say this is a podcast. We're not doing any marketing. Just say it. Yeah. So I think that uh, it's two hundred dollars off, and so it's like five hundred, five hundred, five fifty. So which it's not outrageous. Know, 
if you like to scoot as much as I do, then maybe it's uh, it's something that you want to go out and purchase. Hey, honey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go scoot because that's uh, what I do, and then I'm gonna watch a Marvel movie. I'm gonna go watch John Wick when I'm done. <laughs> 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 all right i like it i like right. it brian i'm down with all this right. pick uh, my next pick is uh is actually one of our panelists joe so i've been working with joe on thinkster and i just want to say joe uh it's been incredible working with you i've learned so much about how to create content and courses and um for those of you that are listening uh, check out thinkster.io what Joe is doing is amazing. And uh, Joe, I just, I've really enjoyed working with you, man. So you're my second Thanks, pick. Thanks, Brian. Thanks. Yeah. Bam. All right, Joe, you got, you got some picks? I do. I do. Uh, wow. That was a hard, that's a hard one to follow. I got two picks. The, since you stole one of mine, Aaron, I'll, uh, I'm down <laughs> to just two. Um, I knew it. Hey, why the heck was there no air horn today, by the way? There wasn't a single um, air horn in the whole episode. I'm trying to be sensitive <laughs> to the people that don't like it. To, to, to people who like go have uh, seizures when they hear air horns? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a condition, Joe. Don't laugh it's about it. But yeah, I'm trying to be sensitive to them. The, 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 the tone of my voice, is that's not my, laugh, la, my laughter tone. That's my serious tone. It's a serious tone? Uh-huh. <laughs> right? That's it. That's, be careful. Somebody's probably having a seizure right now. <laughs> they're done. They they're they turned the volume up because we said they're safe, and then right, um, and then yeah, yeah, bait and switch. All right. So um, my first pick is we went, my wife and I with some friends, and saw Star Wars at the Symphony, okay. where you see the movie on the screen, but it, it's still the sound for the movie, but they don't actually have the music in the movie. Instead, the Symphony live plays Swats? the music. Swats, Swats, yeah. Star Wars, Star Wars, Wars at Symphony. the yes, you're right. It is Swats. Star Wars at the Symphony. So uh, we went and saw A New Hope, Episode Four, and uh, we're gonna go see Episode Five here in this fall here in Utah. But it was an amazing experience. If your local symphony has this come up and you have any regard for Star Wars, or they're doing Harry Potter as well, I know. I think they're do- ours is doing uh, Singing in the Rain. It's amazing. It is such a cool experience to go to something like that. And for Star Wars, it was like getting to see Star Wars with, uh, I don't know, a thousand other super Star Wars fans. Everybody's laughing even more at all the like secret jokes that you only know the jokes because you've, you love Star Wars. Like the first time Luke whines on screen, everybody's laughing. And it's not really inherently funny until you just know that meme over and over again. So I highly recommend it. Going to so- see movie with the symphony. So a lot of really cool people, right? Super um, cool people. Yes. <laughs> there's a there's a, a lot more t-shirts in the audience than I usually see at the symphony. It's the most t-shirted symphony ever, bro. I don't know if it's the most, but it's it's up there. It's 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 definitely on the winner's circle in the winner's circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a contender. <laughs> yeah. And my second pick is going to be the Vector robot. I I bought one of those sort of as a publicity stunt we had it for a couple of days at my house. We set it up. And if you have, if you want to spend a completely unnecessary amount of money, like 250 bucks on something that's the only purpose is to, for your kids to think, oh my gosh, that's cute. Then you definitely want the vector robot. It's the cutest little thing. It's this tiny little robot and it it learns your faces and names and you and your kids, you can tell it to do tricks and it'll dance to music and it gets angry. 
Oh yeah, it gets angry. If it fails its tricks, it's like it pouts. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> yeah, it's mad at itself, not at you. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I oh. my trick failed. He doesn't say that, but you can tell he's pouting. Yeah. And or he, she, like you can pet it and it'll like almost like purr. It's it's unreal. We 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 brought it down at the dinner table a couple of nights in a row for dinner and it was it was it was really amazing. So if you have if you have kids, it's it's yeah. super uh, amazing. So that, Joe, that's my pick. Joe gave one to our kids, and we it works best if you give it a space for it to live in. And okay. so we've just it just has its own counter space now, and just kind of drives <laughs> around. Every once in a while, you're like, "Hey, go explore," and it will just like drive around and look at stuff and make these little robot noises, like. You guys, any, if anyone remembers the Batteries Not Included movie for, or Batteries Included right. from the 80s, it, it sounds a lot like those guys. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Anyway, good picks. Yuri, you got some picks? I actually forgot to prepare some, but let me just shoot out some, some tech picks. Like, first of all, definitely check out the NG Conf videos. Like, I, I couldn't be there this year, but I followed along with a lot of them on the live channels and I actually started to write them down while I watched them on my blog. So, Turned out to be a really, really huge post where I tried to summarize the most important points. Not all Which of them, one was your favorite one? I think the one um, from Thomas Burleson about mm. the NGX facade. Like I've, I've read already his article and I started to dig in, into that topic a bit more and experiment with it. So that was a really good one. And then, of course, also keynotes as well as the one from Rob where he went into it, how Ivy is going to change yeah. like yeah. Angular Elements world and that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely good talks. Yeah. And yeah, the second pick, um, the article is not yet online, but I'm going to post it next week, which is going to be about what we talked about here, like laser loading with Angular Elements. I'll link it in the show notes. So watch, watch, yeah, watch my blog. I thought uh, your lazy load Angular Components article had Angular Elements down at the bottom, didn't it? Yeah, yeah but it was just like an outlook of what is coming. Like uh-huh. I planned to, po- to publish this like two weeks ago, but other things came... Cool. Came in, so higher priorities, and yeah. It's going to go out probably this weekend, so. Cool, man. Well, all right, everyone. Uh, if, if anyone wants to reach out to Yuri online, please say they don't have to type your name on Twitter. Do you have a shorter Twitter name? Yeah, it's just Yuri, S-T-R. Yes. Or just go to Yuri.dev on, on the website, so. Oh, you well, got Yuri.dev? I bought it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Does it and forward to? Your your yeah, exactly right now it just forwards to yeah. my website and then from there you can connect with me. Uh, and that's, that's Yuri cool. with a J, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. If you want to reach out to Yuri, Yuri STR on Twitter or um Yuri.dev. So all right, thanks for coming, everyone. Brian, Joe, Yuri, thanks for being a part of the show. And so. everyone listening, we'll catch you next time. Nice. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Peace. Yeah. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.